Sam, what's up, man? How you doing, Seth? <laughs> I'm good. So, um, this is a new thing uh, for both of us. Um, we're going to try to do a little, I guess, a kind of an interview, kind of conversation style talk about um, about trend following and about systematic trading, um, kind of building on the few videos that I've done already. And um, I thought it would be good to have Sam on here. Um, like me, he is a kind of a new um, systematic trend follower, kind of only been doing it a couple of years. And uh, kind of like I've alluded to in some of my earlier videos, there's not a whole lot of information out there on systematic trend following for smaller retail traders. You can find a lot of stuff about the big institutional style strategies, um, but it's a little bit harder to cobble together a system, um, you know, when you're not a hedge fund. So I thought having somebody else to kind of talk through these, you know, unique issues and um, someone who could kind of share what they've learned along the way. And so uh, welcome, Sam. I hope this is a, uh, a good learning experience for both of us and for everybody else. Indeed. Should be fun and interesting. Yeah. So I thought the, the way we could start this out is just by kind of briefly um, going over um, your background and then um, maybe if there's anything um, you're curious, you know, curious about for me, because I don't know, I can't really remember how much of my my background or my my um, development I've really shared so far. Uh, so maybe you can start, and then we'll we can uh, we can talk about me too some. So how did you get started in this? What was your what was your original inspiration um, to go down the trend following path? Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of my um, background for myself. Uh, so there's a framework for sort of what shapes me uh, and what what might also be important um, as it relates to my trading. So professionally, I'm in business analytics for the University of Michigan. So I work for the School of Public Health. Um, and I only say this to know that like we're two regular guys, retail traders. You'll be able to find me online based on my uh, work profile and things like that. So we're, we're basically uh, using our experiences and our beliefs to talk about our interpretation of trend following for a um, retail, small trader and investor um, from the ground up, how you get started. And I know that a lot of our beliefs specifically within uh, the discipline and trend following itself, itself have been shaped by um, either direct statements and advice from professionals. So it might be the uh, top traders guys and their podcast. It might be uh, folks that have been in other podcasts and books. Um, but we, so we're taking an interpretation of professionals with a good reputation and decades of experience um, and using that to form our belief set and the actual strategies that we put into place. So going back to specifically the trend following piece for me, uh, I started trading live specifically with trend following at the beginning of 2018. And I spent most of the last three to four months of 2017 actually 
researching and reading about trend following. So I guess it would have been late fall um, of 2017 when I actually first, uh, I guess, stumbled upon trend following. And so my, um, I'm sure it would have been something with Covell, whether it's his book or podcast or some review. Um, and so that was my first exposure was reading those books and that podcast. Um, and one of my favorite or uh, most influential uh, individuals on his podcast would be Tom Basso. Um, so I think that he's, from a professional standpoint, he was the first one that I related to the most and uh, listened to the podcast episodes and just the content that he has available uh, on the web uh, for the public to consume. He would have been the first person that I dug into from an individual standpoint uh, within any of the books or uh, podcasts, anything like that. And then from there, uh, it kind of just took off. And so I don't know what it what it was outside of sort of trend following was diversified and systematic, and it was just a way to apply an edge consistently without having to um, be subjective in your decision-making. And I had gone through a couple of different small accounts in the past. Uh, my first brokerage account that I ever opened was my sophomore year of college uh, when I was 19, so a little over 10 years ago. Um, and just like people that get exposed to it, you're enticed by uh, sort of trading Forex because of the huge margin and leverage you can get. Uh, the crazy ads about risking 5 to 10%. Um, so I'd gone down that road of sort of losing um, 1000 or $2,000 here, blowing up accounts uh, and those types of things, uh, going back as far as 10 to 12 years ago. And so I'd always been interested in, in trading, and I think it was the uh, progression and sort of a 10-year hiatus that I really just didn't have the the time or the focus to put into it that I sort of came back into it within the last few years um, and and wanted to find an actual sort of professional uh, approach to the discipline uh, instead of buying sort of the hype uh, and, and more or less thinking about it long term rather than short term trying to hit a lottery uh, and hoping for the best. So it was just, to me, it seemed like... Um, the biggest thing that that sort of made me believe in trend following was that uh, the individuals that were on the podcast and the stories that were told, it seemed like for the most part, they were all more authentic and transparent than um, sort of the tales of Wall Street and traders in general. Uh, and I think that that's been proven as you get more exposure over the years to various podcasts and books and so that's my belief in that they're um just a bit more honest and transparent uh and and i think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that the strategy that they're deploying doesn't involve a story or an opinion so it's hard to be too opaque and not be transparent because we don't really have uh anything else to say and so that ties in well with sort of my business analytics um professional world and and trusting in data and trying to expose data for uh, decision making um, and those types of things reporting and data are the big things that I do uh, professionally so it just is uh, sort of a natural 
um, cohesion for me uh, to bring trend following in from from that perspective if I'm doing my finance work outside of my my actual profession. Yeah. So do you? I, I guess you've. Do you remember, like, you said the Tom Basso um, podcast for Cobell, which I'm I'm really big on too. Um, I, I know I listened to each individual one probably two or three times. And um, when he, he released like a mega episode, probably about a year ago now, where it was like right. four hours long. And I was, I was so excited. I was like, great, I'm going to listen to the whole thing again. You know, it's like such good stuff. Um, yeah, so. yeah. I've probably listened to uh, each of his episodes uh, 10 times. Um, and so what, what I really like in general about the podcast is – they are all evergreen. Um, even the current top traders live ones that are weekly updates, even though they spend about 10 minutes talking about recent events, um, the other 90% of the episode is evergreen in terms of just the, um, the concepts and philosophies that they go over. Um, and now that we're over a year into that uh, podcast, they've probably answered close to 200 different questions from uh, practitioners such as you and me and, and those people that have submitted questions. Um, so yeah, going through those podcasts, um, I do tend to listen to them while I'm working. So I have a decent amount of exposure to podcasts myself throughout the day. So I can probably get, you know, four to five hours worth of podcasts in a day, at least background uh, consumption while I'm working, which is definite advantage that um, not everyone may have, but it is nice to podcast uh, to be able to sort of uh, dual purpose your time, whether you're driving or you um, ride a bus or things like that, your commuter, your commute to work. So, um, yeah, I think I think with Tom, it was, and um, I, I think that he was just he's just really uh, sort of an open and, and transparent guy, and everything that he said um, was so simple that made you think that you could go out and at least start putting something visually in front of you to see how it worked uh, and then dig in a little deeper. And so that was just an easy way um, because he does keep it uh, so simple. And then once you get some good concepts, then you can really get deep um, with all of the uh, top traders live podcasts. I mean, to me, that podcast itself is the single best resource, even going back to their 2014 debut, all of those interviews with managers professional managers in the business, you'll be able to get uh, a lot of information about how people uh, approach different systematic strategies, usually focused on risk um, first and letting everything else uh, fall in line. So um, it was just a good way uh, to get started. And I think I related to uh, Tom a bit as well, because he got his he started his trading in currencies uh, and and so I was interested in currencies mostly because uh, the ability to use margin, but in a actual risk managed way. So it just allowed you to get to more markets and trade more systems. And so the hands-on approach for trading currencies, if you wanted to get it, you could do it with small capital and really diversify yourself as well. So having someone that came from that background that, um, sort of looked at currencies as a valid professional market and asset class to trade um, was just another sort of common uh, thread that we had between us because usually currencies are focused on from the, 
the get rich quick and the extra margin and and trading things that have uh, high ATRs, but not really normalizing things for volatility. So um, the the advertising and the sales pitch in that area isn't uh, great, and that's the big problem with sort of trading the the cash in the spot market in FX, and it doesn't be it's not it's not regulated the same way, and it doesn't have the clearinghouses. Um, but just knowing that there are professionals that do go into it, uh, certainly they have much more size, but they certainly respect it and and value it and know that it's uh, it's a market that you can trade along with the the future side as well. So that was my first main influence. Yeah, and with with FX, I mean it's the biggest market world, you know, and it's super liquid, so you can kind of trade even some of the stranger pairs, especially as a small trader where you're not, you're not going to be moving the market, you know? Right. So, so besides podcasts, um, any books, like if, if someone was to ask you, what's the, the one book about trend following that you would recommend, what would you say? Um, I guess it would be Covell's trend following. Just from a broad perspective, um, and that more or less gives you the the background as to what trend following is and some examples of people that have used it and their success. It's not going to be much that goes into um, the nuts and bolts of a strategy, but it does give you a framework for how long it has been successful, um, types of mindset that you have to have um, to be successful with it. Um, and so it should be initial reading just to get exposure to the philosophies and the people that he references in the book to do research on and look up their track work, uh, track records, see if they're still around now, um, see if you can check their performance uh, to date, how their strategies may have changed if they're on a podcast or have other books themselves. So it's a good way to start with a resource and then build your um, entire resource catalog in terms of uh, the books that talk about a strategy itself um, I do like Andreas Klinau's book um, following the trend I think it is yeah so he goes into talking about it and and I think it's like a 20 to 30 year um, back test and track record where he goes to the performance of each year itself and the markets traded and tries to give you some some sense of living through uh, the trade itself and getting an idea for um, the drawdowns that happen uh, throughout that period. So mm-hmm. you can try to relate um, to that as well. And then sort of a real simple uh, book as well is Dual Momentum by Gary Antonacci. And he's got some experience with um, professional traders uh, going back 30, 40 years, I think, as well. And so he just uh, takes even more simple approach in looking at sort of 12-month uh, momentum and assets that are at least performing above zero and or relative to other assets to try and stay in the strongest assets itself. So I think that gives you an idea of how um, sort of just simple 12-month momentum can be applied and you may be able to um, deviate from that or get further ideas as well. Um, so so along with the podcast route and those two books, they, they sort of catapulted me um, into, into research land. Uh, and I can actually uh, share my screen real quick in a second once I log in and share some resources. Um, yeah. So in a couple of minutes, I still have to log in and get that. But we can continue talking about different things. 
And you might want to offer a little bit about sort of your history and what you can relate to uh, for me and what may be a little bit different. Um, I don't know that you've gotten too much into your background uh, in the videos before that are on your page. So it's a little bit about that it might be just a little compare and contrast as well. Yeah. Um, I started, I guess, investing pretty, pretty young. Um, I guess when I first got my first job, when I was still in college, um, a buddy of mine was interning for like a, a wealth manager, a, you know, a financial advisory. And as part of his work, he like pulled me into his office to, you know, go through a spiel about putting money in an IRA or whatever. Um, and I did it. I put like $20 a week away um, for four or five years. You know, I kind of forgot about it. it. Was just investing in, um, I guess, growth mutual funds. And after about five years of putting away twenty dollars a week, um, when it came time to buy a house, I had enough money to put a down payment on a house. So I kind of realized <laughs> then, um, you know, that 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 investing and trading is really worthwhile if you can um, kind of let let your money work for you, kind of put it in something that's going to grow and kind of leave it alone. Um, so I kind of kept doing that and somewhere along the way I opened like a regular brokerage account and I was, I was probably watching a lot of CNBC watching like Jim Cramer and fast money and all those guys. And I was trying to do what I thought was trading, you know, where I was like buying stocks that were, you know, being talked about, no real strategy, just kind of like picking stuff at random. Um, and because the market was so good, I did well. You know, I mean, this was this was prior to 2008. Right. So we're probably talking about like 2004, 5, and 6, where the market was just going up. You know, if you were in if you were in tech stocks, you were you were making money. Um, so. After a while, I decided um, that I thought I wanted to be in the financial space professionally. At the time, I was a, a boat captain, um, but I ended up going back to college, getting an economics degree. Um, and when I graduated, I was planning on trying to find a job at a brokerage or a bank. Ended up taking another job that was more similar to my, my past experience, um, did that for a couple of years, was still kind of trading a little bit um, on the side, but it wasn't really happy at my job. And I thought, you know, I was like, I've, I've kind of been doing this investing and trading for a while. I think I want to be a professional day trader. I just want to, you know, quit my job, stay at home and just trade. And I was at like so... I was so at the point where I had, I had no idea what I was doing, but I thought I did because I had just been buying stocks randomly, you know? Right. So when I, when I decided to leave my job, um, I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to figure out a strategy or I'm going to figure out how to do this. And um, I started reading a bunch of stuff and I realized really quickly that I didn't have enough money to be a full-time day trader to, you know, to earn a, a, Right, without risking even a, even a yeah, even with a really good return, um, you know, I didn't have enough money to make you know fifty thousand dollars a year to live off of. You know, I mean, you need 
Right. I would say a half million dollars if you want to earn, you know, with a 10% return on a half million dollars, that's 50 grand a year. Still have to pay taxes. Right. It doesn't leave a lot of money to live off of. So I figured out really quickly that that wasn't going to work. So I was like, all right, I know that that letting wealth build over time works, right? If you can earn a, a decent return, let the money stay in there and work, let compounding work, at least over a long period of time, I'll have a nice chunk of money left in the end. And so I started looking around to figure out what the best way to do that was. And um, somewhere along the way, somebody told me, um, you need to read Trend Following by Michael Koval. And I didn't actually buy Trend Following because it was more expensive. I bought his book, Trend Commandments, which was like 15 bucks, whereas Trend Following was much more expensive. It's so funny now, like thinking such a small amount of money to spend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like such good information. But as soon as I read that Trend Commandments, I was like, okay, I'm completely completely sold on this. Like it, it makes sense philosophically to me. It makes sense fundamentally. The way he explains the way trend following works makes sense. You're kind of like going against the grain while going with the grain in, in some respects. You know, you're you're gonna be in a trend when it's working, but as soon as it stops working, you're gonna be done where everybody else is gonna be holding on hoping, right? So um after I read his book, I was like, okay, I know I want to do this. Um, I think right after that, I read, I read trend following and then the turtle book. And then, um, you know, moved on to Andres Kleenow's book, read uh, way of the turtle by Curtis faith, which I think is a really great book. It's, um, it's a good blend of the, the why and the how. Whereas I always like to say, like, Michael Koval's books are like, he tells you why you want to trend follow. Um, but if you if you want to figure out how, you've got to go read, like, Andres Kleenow's book or um, or Curtis Faith's book. Um, but once I did that, I kind of read those. I knew I needed to find a way um, to do some backtesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started researching backtesting software. And I think I've talked a little bit about that, but I tried. Um, I use trading blocks now, but I, I demoed another software called Right Edge, which is another kind of backtesting software, and then did a little bit uh, in yeah, trading. I think, think Cleanout had done a lot of his in Right Edge as well, so that might have yeah. been the, the association yeah. there. Yep. And then if you uh, – TradeStation actually has um, some features on their – desktop service where you can backtest single markets and mm-hmm. so does uh, thinkorswim so i went through all these different steps trying to get get to where i am now by um not spending a lot of money and then ended up spending a lot of money buying all the software and all the data anyway um so that that was kind of my my um place to get where i am and I started trading live in June of 2017. So I'm at about 30 months now trading the same system, more or less, that I started with. I've had a few little tweaks along the way, but um, yeah. So that's kind of my my brief history 
to get to right. trend following, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I would say most of it is probably uh, very, very similar. We're probably just at different stages of the implementation, um, the automation, um, capital size, things like that, and just how we approach it. And so we'll also be getting into more of those um, topics and discussions as we go um, further with our discussions in the future as well. Um, I think I have this list now, so I'll start. I'll share my screen. And it looks like it closed, so let's see what happens here. So yeah, can you see this list right here? Yeah. Yeah, so these, this is a list of the um, the individuals that have shaped my beliefs and the strategy that, that I have that we'll be discussing in the future, and we've referenced some of them um, here. So some of them have books, some of them are part of podcasts, um, some of them are just individual podcasts, not individual references. Um, so I would think that if you... If an individual would go through and, and search to see if any of these people have been a part of uh, a podcast themselves or they host their own podcast or they have a book, um, you're going to find a lot of content here. Um, most of them are active trend followers or have allocated to trend followers or have written about trend following in some way. Um, and, and it'll give uh, pretty much the entire uh, professional viewpoint in history of um, a lot of the big players uh, within the industry over the last 30 to 40 years. And they're, they're probably listed in a way of, um, I think, most, most active at this point or relevant to, to my um, design itself. So like Jerry and Niels and Moritz have a current podcast. Um, Tom is actually doing things again now uh, as well. Uh, putting out mm -hmm. webinars uh, every month or two, and, and he's got a lot going on on his website to to offer his view. Um, and I would say that's a good. I would say Tom is probably the shortest uh, term of of all those first four guys. Uh, the guys at Top Traders tend to be um, pretty medium to long term, and then Tom is um, shorter on the medium term spectrum. I really don't follow. Um, I really don't consider any of the trend followers that I follow to be. Um, short term at all uh, and that might be something that we get into as well in terms of what we might think short term and medium term and long term is but um, yeah these guys I'm are always interested to what to hear what other people how like <laughs> what people consider to be uh, you know slow medium and fast because I whenever I explain to somebody like the speed that I use I'm like it's, it's long term but it like I know some people that are twice as long as I am. So does that mean I'm I'm medium and not long? Right. But that's a that's definitely a good thing to to kind of go over later on down the road. Yeah, How and fast, I wouldn't say anything fast. less than a couple months is like almost not really existent in the trend following space. I mean a couple right. 
six weeks to two months is kind of like the shortest term that I would ever um, think in general. And even that's pretty quick to me in my mind. That's that's actually very fast. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that's my uh, sort of favorite list of the people that I either listen to or or read now. Um, and I may add some others, but certainly if you uh, if anyone were to dig up everything about these these individuals that they've offered uh, to the public uh, in some way, shape, or form, they'll um, they'll get a lot of uh, information about um, trend following. And so we might be we'll be alluding and referencing these. Uh, in the future as well, but this is to give um, an idea uh, and sort of a yeah. list of uh, of what shaped me and what I might be referring to um, as well. Yeah, I'm 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 very much along the same line as you here. I, I would add two two names to that. Um, Nick Raj, who is a, an Australian oh, yeah. dude. Um, For sure. I read one of his books really early on called Unholy Grails. It's really good. And then um, the Dunn Capital website is really good, too. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but every month... Yeah, I go uh, there Neil's, <laughs> Yeah, interviews James Daly, who's the, the CEO or the president of Dunn, and they have a, they have a talk, uh, a very open talk every month about the performance of their portfolio and just kind of talking about what they, what they think is influencing, um, you know, influencing... Yep markets and what markets are kind of interesting and not. So um, that's a, that's a big one for me that I always check out. Yeah. I've uh, listened to all of those. Uh, th- those are both good, uh, good ones that I hadn't thought of specifically that I do follow on Twitter or go to. Um, and the good thing with Dunn recently as well is, you know, they had a pretty big drawdown within the last year. So you can listen to their conversation um, during those months when they were in, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's been one of their. It's one of, it's one of their biggest in a while, and might crack crack their um, top ten uh, in history as well. So it'll give you. They've also addressed some things like when it got to that point, and you know we had another recent sort of early in 2019 after 2018 was a bad year, another declaration that trend following was dead. Um, so they do reference that uh, as well, sort of uh, tongue in cheek and just their their thoughts. And I know that they've also referenced sort of, um, they'll send out a letter to their investors, um, sort of when, when times are tense, sort of just to, um, you know, offer some faith and and guidance. And, you know, we've seen this before. We're not, we're not deviating. We're sticking to the, to the strategy. We don't see anything that says the strategy should be changed. Um, so they do offer, you know, as much as they can, um, without going into their, client relations and things like that. So it's a, and it's about a half an hour as well. So once a month, half an hour recap, um, that's a good, the Dunn Capital um, recap is good as well. So. Yeah. Well, cool, man. We're, um, we're about at the 30 minute mark here, which I think we were kind of trying to shoot for. So we didn't just keep going on and on and on. Yep. Um, I was really hoping to talk about, I saw a tweet that you had uh, responded to. Um, it was Pete Robbins did a poll on Twitter and he was kind of asking traders what they thought their style was, I believe. Yeah. And he had trend, trend on there and a couple of other things. And the overwhelming majority of people said that they were trend 
traders. I don't I don't know if it said trend follower or if it just said trend. It said, it said trend following. It said trend okay. following. Yeah. And I know you you said that you thought that that was really surprising, um, because I think if you're a trend follower, the way we consider ourselves to be trend followers, there's a lot of people who trade trends but they aren't necessarily trend followers. So maybe like just real quickly, right. what do you think, what, what, what's the difference? Yeah, that's a good, um, it's a good question and it's probably certainly uh, subjective uh, to, to different individuals. And I actually think using um, sort of the strategy that Kleenow has in his book um, is almost a, a benchmark to where you would get to the point if you add more um, constraints and parameters to that strategy, you'll you'll get more into the trend side because you're really trying to to filter out and or go short term. So just for reference, in his book, he uses the baseline as a 50-200 crossover and then take 50-day highs once you're in that territory and then use a trailing three ATR stop. So you're establishing a longer trend first uh, with the 50-200 and then taking those 50-day breaks uh, and chunks out of that overall trend uh, as well. And so um, if you start adding on to that in terms of looking for things like um, consolidation, sort of a narrowing range, so I think a lot of trend traders will look to to look for a consolidation and or a retracement in an overall trend and then buy um, a volatility expansion. So they might take a lot more trades out of a of a longer term trend than an actual trend follower um, would take. And it also means, at least to me, that if you have that initial 500, 200 cross and then you're getting in, that the first, um, the first, trade that you take in the opposite direction is probably going to be a little bit later into the trend than it would be for a trend follower that's just looking at a moving average crossover or a channel break, things like that. So that first one, you're going to get in a little bit later and you're going to have to wait um, for that second trade to get in um, if it continues um, further. So I think a lot of it is based on sort of more indicators. Um, there might be stacking multiple indicators and a multiple time frame uh, analysis as well. And then they're looking um, to get in and probably their average holding period um, is going to be lower than your average uh, trend following. So I think we're trying to use fewer uh, parameters and constraints in the strategy. And you might find that the that a trend trader and it and probably just because the stock market is um, sort of the most uh, popular, but a lot of people will focus on fewer markets or just stocks. Um, and so it's not to say that, the, and I follow a lot of people that trade that I would call trend traders that are very good and uh, even professionals in the space and they just have a different mindset, but they're looking for the things like a pullback and then a consolidation and, a, and, and then a breakout out of that. And so we might say that that's hard to, um, sort of define objectively over a number of markets and a number of years. So it's something that you can see visually by scanning different charts, um, but you may not be able to put it 
into a rule uh, and apply it across everything. So we kind of just take it simpler. And we also have to make sure that we're trading at least a bare minimum um, diverse set of markets where those uh, a lot of trend traders uh, that I think about when you're just a trend trader, um, they may not have to or choose to uh, in general. So that's my my initial thought on that. And I know the poll was like, over 50% of the people replied that they were trend following. There was only three options and they certainly, the other two options were um, certainly not trend at all. So the, the options were limited in the poll, but I definitely know, uh, and I think people that um, if they get exposure to trend following or if they have exposure already, they know that uh, that's certainly not a good uh, sample of any subset of individuals in the trading world that 50% are trend followers. So um, yeah, it was just something that I looked at and, and tried to make a, a cute remark at that. And I, I sort of get some of that uh, sarcasm and, and cute remark uh, from Jerry as well. If people follow Jerry Parker on Twitter, he's kind of known for his um, his little one-off and, and cute remarks and things like that about um, jabs at other styles or um, sort of people people saying something about trend following, but it's not his view of trend following. So um, I think he's very confident uh, in his, in his approach and, and his view of trend. And so um, definitely an influence on us, but I sort of take that same uh, approach on, on Twitter as well, as much as possible. Um, so you can offer yeah. your, your thoughts on trend trading as you've followed or read about it um, as well. Yeah. So I, I think that the big difference is, um, is the subjectivity of whether to take a trade or not. I think if the way I think of trend following is you have a set portfolio you follow, you have a set uh, entry and exit signal and you take every trade, you know, regardless of what you, what you think the chart looks like, what you think it feels like, what you're going to a lot of times with the same, the with trade. the same size, with the same size as well. Yeah. Yeah. Always with the same kind of conviction. Um, definitely your one class, you're trying to really spread it out. Oh, I think we may have lost you for a few seconds. So you might want to just keep your train of thought back uh, about 15 seconds. Trend traders, the way I think of it, it's almost like, um, a trend trader is looking for a really high conviction trend to pick. Whereas I, as a trend follower, I'm just going to follow. If there's a, if it looks like it's a trend, I'm going to be in there. So um, there's no subjectivity to, to my signal taking. I take every trade and suffer the consequences. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I guess like I feel like a trend trader, they're probably looking for a little bit higher win ratio. Maybe they've got a profit target that they're going to try to get out at where I'm just going to try to get in that trend and stay on until my system tells me it's not in a trend anymore. Right. So. Yep. I agree with all of that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, um, that's probably enough. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. Everybody kind of knows where we're coming from now. Um, so maybe next time we'll try to talk a little bit. Um, I don't know about a specific topic. Yeah, and I guess I'll just offer my uh, like my closing 
closing remarks on what we're what we'll what we're thinking we're going to be doing. This is um, you know new. It's off the. It's not scripted. It's going to be the way that I envision it. It would be um, sort of the way that Top Traders Live does their uh, podcast with the Systematic Investor, but we'll go through um, specific components of the strategy. So we'll talk about sort of maybe the position sizing, the risk, the entry, uh, and exit. So we'll go through the you know four or five parts that a strategy consists of, our thoughts about uh, further research and and back testing and sort of in and I. Pretty sure I said this early, but it, earlier, but it's our interpretation of the things that we've read from all the sor- resources that we've accessed, uh, and most of those individuals have um, a long track record in the industry, held in high standard, um, and so so it's our interpretation of the retail investors' uh, implementation of something not at the institutional scale. So perhaps the concessions uh, that you have to make if you're trading with um, a smaller account. Um, maybe you shouldn't trade. Uh, maybe you should wait till a certain uh, AUM to really start trading. Uh, so you should just do back testing and something like that beforehand. Um, I would probably argue that uh, that might not exist. You might just run a really simple uh, momentum strategy, even if it's with your uh, retirement account through work. Uh, I think we probably would both agree that adding some diverse trend uh, is better than no trend and just holding it in a 60-40 or something like that. So a lot of things we'll talk about will be philosophy-based and the things that have shaped us, other things will be the complete uh, strategy as well. And so it'll just be uh, a weekly conversation on various things. And and once we lay a good foundation of those things, then we can set a, a certain sequence that might be a logical um, follow for folks uh, as well. So on top of this and the ones that you've um, already started, we'll create a, a library that's sort of the retail practitioner's uh, guide and implementation of a of a professional money manager's strategy, which I think this has been proven uh, as such. Um, so a, another thing that I will be making an attempt to, to do as well, and I should commit to that, is sort of as a recap to our videos, if there are certain um, topics that stood out to me that I wanted to expand on as I'll accompany it with sort of a, a written piece in blog form. And right now that may be through uh, my account on Medium. Um, and so we'll be able to link that once that's started, but it'll just be something to uh, put certain screenshots and themes around if we talk to it um, to accompany uh, the videos as we see fit. So to have a sort of two piece um, component with the video and the discussions and the written piece to go along with each of these and we'll have a a library of this retail implementation of uh, trend following itself. So that's that's sort of my yeah. view uh, on it as the individual that Seth reached out to and asked to um, just just come on and, and get to know each other and talk about different things, trend following as well. Um, so yeah, that's my interpretation based on sort of our discussions and where we hope to see this thing uh, go to. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Right. And for those of you who are watching this, they're like, man, I came to learn how to trend follow. We're going to get to it, right? We just wanted to lay out the groundwork first, but we'll uh, we'll get more into the nuts and bolts exactly. in, uh, in later videos. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't learn to trend follow in a night. That's right. <laughs> it, it takes much longer. <laughs> but you can get started in a night. How about that? 
Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All, All right, right man. cool. Well, uh, until next time. All right.